The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Best fantasy fits for some of our favorite NFL draft prospects. Your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Some news items and more. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's Adam Azer here with Dave Richard and Jamie Eisenberg and some other guy that I'll tell you about in a second. I do want to let you know, though, that we've got the Fantasy Cops coming up on today's show. So you can get excited about the Fantasy Cops. Yeah. Now, this is classic Dan Schneier. Absolutely begs me to be on the show today. <laughs> Just an unsolicited text. Can I please come on the show? I have so much to share. And then he's 10 minutes late. Uh, he said, uh, 10 minutes late. I don't know about that. We had an 11, 10 a.m. start time and I got here at 11.09. It's 11.14. No, we started that. that we were there b- BSing for four minutes. You were, I mean, you were definitely late. You were late. You know we're supposed to be here 10 minutes before our start time. So we're I don't nine do minutes co- late. Tom Coughlin time. I don't come earlier than we were supposed to be. <laughs> Uh, Dan did not beg me to come on. I begged him to come on because he has been studying all of these draft You're prospects. You're on Urban Meyer time. <laughs> <laughs> you, should, you should be kicked. Don't make me kick you. Yeah, yeah, I'll kick you like he kicked that kicker one day. Um. So anyway, uh, Dan's been doing a lot of great scouting work on these prospects. So I asked him, two running backs, two quarterbacks, two receivers, two tight ends. Give me his favorite destination for an NFL team for these guys. So we will get to that. How's everything going, Dan? You all good? Great. No, I mean, you said it. Um, but the truth is, I, it's not that I did beg you for this one, but I'd beg you for any of these. Look, I have no time that I spend at this company that I enjoy more than talking football with you guys on this podcast. So I'm excited to talk about these prospects. And Dave has also done a lot of work on these prospects, yeah. so he's going to have a lot to share as well. Yeah, and uh, there are great prospect profiles on our website. It, you know, Just go to cbsports.com slash fantasy, or you can Google a player name and type in cbsports.com scouting report. It is terrific, very comprehensive player comps, uh, so it'll help you get ready for the NFL draft. So before we get into that, let's run through the notes real quick here. Tua Tungavailoa, he said that he considered retirement. 
during the offseason. You could understand why. Dave, does that give you any hesitation uh, knowing that that was a thought of his in drafting Tua? Not really, because everybody knows what the deal is. He's going to begin the year as the starter, and you keep your fingers crossed that he stays on the field. Look, I, I, everybody should want to see him on the field when he was playing. The Dolphins' offense was really incredible. So hopefully that's what happens. But the reality is, if you take him in fantasy football, you need to have a plan for the second quarterback. It doesn't mean you have to carry a second quarterback. That would make sense to do. But if you don't, maybe you're in an eight-team league. You better know who you're going to race to get off the off the waiver wire if Tua does go down. Okay. That's more or less the only news item I have that I think requires a lot of discussion. We talked about Allen Robinson yesterday. He passed his physical, so his trade is official. He's on the Steelers. Joe Mixon pleaded not guilty to aggravated menacing. I mean, we could talk about that. There's off-field stuff going on with Mixon. Wasn't great on the field. He's got a big contract, and we could see him no longer be on the Bengals. So we're preparing ourselves for that, I guess. Uh, the Eagles signed wide receiver Olamide Zacchaeus and the Titans signed wide receiver Chris Moore. And Jamie and I signed up for apparently the worst fantasy baseball team ever. We're getting crushed again. We're going to move to 0-3. Uh, we will get Fernando Tatis back uh, today, actually. He's coming back, but we'll get him in our lineup next week. But the reason why I say this is, Jamie, we should be listening to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. That's what I want to tell you about. Uh, hosted by Frank Stample. You got Chris Towers on there. You got Scott White on there. Um, they got uh, the Welsh comes on to talk prospects. They also have Fantasy Baseball Today in five. This is now, by the way, an award. Oh, it has been, but it won another award. It's again an award-winning podcast. Congratulations to Fantasy Baseball Today for winning the best, I think it was the best baseball podcast on Sports Podcast Group. Um, so check out Fantasy Baseball Today if your team stinks like mine and Jamie's does or if your team's great. And not only are, are Jamie and Adam 0-3 in that league, it's now named the Azer Memorial League because Adam couldn't find 13 minutes to set up the league again and run it as commissioner after running it for decade plus, however long he's been running it. For some reason this year, Adam said, I'm done. I can't take the 13 minutes to set up the league. So now it's just, you know, it's the Azer Memorial. A, a commissioner Azer Memorial League. Yeah, I yeah. didn't want to be commi- – being commissioner of that league is awful. Why? Uh, there was no work lot, that you needed to a put lot into of, it. There's a lot of, of kind of crybabies in the league. Okay, Thankfully, one of them became the commissioner. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I love him. He's great. Uh, hey, can we go back to Mixon real quick? Yeah, yeah. 15 seconds. If he's cut after June 1st, the Bengals save $10 million on the cap. You have oh. 12 seconds to spare. <laughs> I would be pretty... Uh, I don't know what I would do if I had Joe Mixon on my dynasty team other than hang on to him and hope that he finds a starting job somewhere else. All right. So let's uh, let's do our – I was going to do fantasy cops now, but I'll save that for later. Let's get right okay. into our scouting reports. So not our scouting reports, our draft fits. Uh, Dan will give you a little bit of why he likes the player and why he thinks this team is a good fit for the player. So your first one, two quarterbacks. Your first quarterback here is Anthony Richardson. Uh, from UF, I've heard from three Gators fans who <laughs> they, all, hate him. they all think he stinks. Yeah. I haven't heard from the guy on the show with the Gators shirt on today. Jamie, what do you, do you like Anthony Richardson? Like, what do you th- I know you like him from a fantasy standpoint. Do you think he's a good quarterback? I think he has a chance to be one. Yeah. You know, gets in the right system. I don't think he was used correctly uh, in Florida. Um, I think they're a little scared to let him play his game. So I think in the right coaching environment don't know if it'll be his rookie season but i do think he's got the chance to be a special talent 
All right, and you think uh, the best fit for him, Dan, would be the Atlanta Falcons, Anthony Richardson to the Atlanta Falcons. Yep, that's my favorite fit for Richardson. Let me start just by talking about the actual prospect because I think we have to really put into context how high the upside upside is for him from a fantasy football standpoint, right? He's six foot three and a half, just under six foot four, or six foot three and three fourths, two forty four, and ran a four four three at two forty four. And when you see him in the open field, because it's not just the forty yard dash, which is four four, uh, sorry, four four three. The vertical jump and the broad jumps, ninety ninth percentile, ninety ninth percentile. The ten yards and those show explosiveness. The ten yard split, which shows quickness, acceleration, ninety six percentile. So we are talking about someone, and you could see it when you watch the Florida tape. Like Jamie said, maybe they didn't use him as well as they could have, and obviously Dan Mullins. I don't even want to talk about him. He somehow couldn't find a way to get Anthony Richardson on the field two years ago, which is absurd. But when you see him in the open field, he's already in a, re- a really elusive runner. I think it, at times there were plays that I saw where he broke tackles in the open field and then accelerated for touchdowns where I was like, this could be a better runner at the NFL level than anyone we've seen since Lamar Jackson. And a case can be made at at six at 244 and, and with 443 speed that he actually could be a better runner at the next level than Lamar Jackson. So let's start with that part of his profile. And then we get to the next part of his profile. There are issues in his game and issues on his tape. That's obvious. The accuracy but a lot of them are based on the mechanics. And so if he gets with the right coaching, just kind of like a Josh Allen did, the idea is that you can fix that aspect of his game because he still shows off some things on film that are really next level from a mental processing standpoint. And I think that's what has everyone so excited about him. There are flashes of him being able to process a backside dig or you know something that he sees in a three-by-one set on the backside that you'd be like, oh, I didn't think he'd come back to that read, and he does in the middle of the field and shows good velocity, shows the ability to stick throws on the intermediate areas of the field, which are considered the NFL throws, the outs, and the, and the ins. So... There are things about his profile like, now let's get to the fit with the Falcons. I just love this potential fit. This is, everyone says with Richardson, draft him and then you sit him for a year. But the Falcons are the one place I think you can actually play him early because they hide a lot of what a quarterback has to do there within that offense. They scheme up the run game better than anyone. And they can really do a lot. And Arthur Smith, Take, took a lot of crap last year, but I think, honestly, with the talent he had around him, he was one of the best offensive minds in the NFL and play designers in the NFL. So now you bring in Richardson. You don't ask him to do much. You run a lot of zone read that can get him moving. You run a lot of bootleg action, kind of like what the Giants did with Brian Dable last I'm um, sorry, with Daniel Jones last year. And you really simplify it. And now for a full season, he has... Kyle Pitts, who was out all last year, and he has big targets to throw to when he's on the move and when he's you know making the decision either run with the football or throw the football. So this is the one spot I think can not only minimize some of the things that I guess would be warts if he played in year one, give him options, big body basketball player type options in Drake London and Kyle Pitts, where maybe the accuracy isn't as important. If he throws a little high, it's not a big as a big of a deal. And then also just get into an offense that utilizes his best skill set, which in my opinion is his ability to move. All right, take a drink. Uh, there's Dan's drinking right now. Dan mentioned the Giants and Daniel Jones. So I got, got a drink for that. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so. Falcons have the eighth pick. Dave, do you like the fit? Anthony Richardson to the Falcons. Among the the possible landing spots for him where he'd have to play right away, I do like the fit because I, I agree. I don't know if Arthur Smith is one of the best play callers in the NFL right now, but I think he kind of gets a bad rap for what happened last year. I think he trusted Marcus Mariota a little too long. When you go back and you watch last year, I think Kyle Pitts, and we talked about this, Kyle Pitts would have had a much better year if he had a more accurate thrower. Is Anthony Richardson going to be more accurate than Marcus Mariota? 
I got news for you. Almost anybody is going to be more accurate than <laughs> Marcus not Mariota him. was last but no, year. No, you cannot say that Richardson would be more accurate than Marcus Mariota. That you cannot. You're talking about the least accurate first round quarterback in like 20 years or something like that. It but is, but that's, that's on a very small true. sample but, size, Adam. But you but can't Mariota just sit here and assume that he's going to be more accurate than Mariota as a rookie. There is no way we can assume that. I mean, he might be the worst passer in football as a rookie. He might be, but that doesn't mean that he'll be as bad as Mariota was. Mariota was awful last year. Now, I'm not saying he's going to come into the league and all of a sudden throw 62% completion rate. I'm just saying he'll be better than Mariota was last year with his ball location, yep. uh, particularly on downfield throws. Um, and, and that's that's really all I'm saying. I, I, think, I think Dan's right. I've said as much earlier. He's got the most upside of anybody in the 2023 draft class because of his ability to run. Can he get better as a thrower? That's the whole name of the game. But I've talked to Florida fans that have been watching him play since he was in high school. He played high school in Gainesville, just down the road from the swamp. And apparently footwork was bad. Then he was sailing passes then. And it's been seven years. He's never gotten the right coaching for it. He's never tried to get a lot better at it. That's one of two big problems I have. The other big problem is that he's never been a winner. He played in one playoff game in high school. He lost that game. He only has one year of starters experience at Florida. He went six and six. I'm I'm a little concerned about those two factors, but I still think that he it's the rushing that makes him so exciting to have and exciting to think about in fantasy. Jamie, if the Falcons with the eighth pick select Anthony Richardson, this would mean what for Kyle Pitts and Drake London? Well, a downgrade. I, I think you know you got to take into account that there's going to be a growing process there. If if in fact he does start, I, I don't think I don't think it's going to happen. So you know it's it's fun to fantasize about, but um, if if you just you know listen to what Arthur Smith was saying and and the commitment they seem to be making to Desmond Ritter, you know they're they're not going to take a quarterback at eight. Um, so. I don't think if he comes in, he's coming in to be starter week one unless he just absolutely blows the doors off things in, in camp and looks the the part of what the ceiling could be as opposed to what the floor could be. He's, he's going to take some time. He's a project. you know. So um, I, I do like the the, the potential of, of what it could be there, but I, I don't think you know Pitts or Drake London are seeing Anthony Richardson throwing, him pass, throwing them passes in week one. Can I follow up with that? Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask a different question, Jamie. What if it's C.J. Stroud that they get at eight? Just crazy things happen. Well, Stroud falls, falls. Yeah, then that, that's probably something they would consider. But again, you, I, I think they have so many other needs. You know, this is, you know, uh, I, I think you guys are probably somewhere in the middle. I, I do think that Arthur Smith did a great job with the tools that he had last season, given the fact that Mariota was so bad that they weren't ready to trust Ritter, that Kyle Pitts missed half the season, that Drake London was a rookie, that the defense was obviously still a huge work in progress. But, you know, they've done some great things in, in the offseason. Their secondary is completely remade and, and has got the chance to be special if those guys stay healthy. Um, they could obviously lose, use some pieces on, on the offensive line and, and definitely a pass rusher, you know. So um, I would be shocked if even if C.J. Stroud is there, if they still win quarterback. Uh, would you downgrade the pass catchers if it's Stroud? No, because again, unless unless they're moving on from Ritter, I do think Ritter is their week one starter. Right. Okay. Yeah. I I, I don't if they get Stroud somehow, but again, it's it seems unlikely. I, I just want to clarify one thing when it comes to Richardson. I know I, I understand where everyone's coming from with this idea that he really shouldn't be starting in week one. You need time, but 
I think there is a version of offense in the NFL that worked last year. We saw it in the first half of the season. Again, I'm using the Giants, but it's a good example of you really don't need the quarterback to do much. The Giants did not throw the ball that often the first half of the season. It's a lot of bootleg action, and it's a lot of just easy to find throws for the yeah. quarterback. Half field reads. You can do. You can run that style of offense right now with Richardson, and it's going to be better than whatever. St- you want to run a full field, full progression read offense with Ritter? Guess what? It's going to be worse than a half field offense with Anthony Richardson back there in my opinion yeah but is that is it going to be worse in terms of fantasy points for Pitts and london i mean it's not going it's not going to be a bad thing for them half field read just those guys could be on that side of the field and those guys could be the easy reads i will be the easier i mean i I don't think you draft anthony richardson to start him in week one i just that doesn't really make but i I guess we should probably clarify that it doesn't have to be week one it's the first month you know and that's what you're really looking at is you know how, how many how many games into it does he get on the field and become a starter if he's in that? Because to me, the most likely situation, honestly, is probably Indianapolis if he's going to get a chance to start right away. Because that's a team with Gardner Minshew, and you want to talk about a, a, a system that should fit him. I mean, you know, Steichen coming from Philadelphia, they know how to use a mobile quarterback. They've been dealing with it for a couple of seasons. You know, he has at least, you know, so the, the, the situation would be relatively easy for him to step into that, prove he's better than Minshew. You know Jim Irsay is going to want to get his prized rookie quarterback that he's been talking about for months on the field at some point early in the season. And obviously Gardner Minshew isn't the type of guy that you're going to build the team around. So, you know, even if they're taking their losses early, he could be playing right away. So I, I, I see Indianapolis. To me, the two teams that make the most sense uh, from a realistic standpoint, Indianapolis, Seattle, because you got the, the two picks early in, in, in the top 10. Uh, Seattle gives him an, a year to sit. And then, you know, for his fantasy production, we've certainly seen this team produce – top five quarterbacks. Geno Smith did it last year. Uh, however you want to you know, slice it, we you know in terms of how bad the position was, but he had a top five season and we know what Russell Wilson's done. Plus he still have the opportunity to grow with DK Metcalf, whatever they have left to Tyler Lockett, you know, by the time Richardson starting, which, you know, in, in this case would be 2024 and beyond. And then they have a lot of draft capital. So we don't know what they're going to spend it on over the next couple of seasons. So to me, if they stay put at five, I would not be surprised if Anthony Richardson's on the seal. Okay. I'll wrap it up. I, I think you could make the same case for, Las Vegas the, for the for the Lions and the Raiders yeah, at six Lions and seven, for sure. and Lions are who we're going to talk about next because uh, that's uh, the next quarterback that uh, Dan could be mocking to the Detroit Lions. We'll tell you who would fit well in that scheme after a quick break on fantasy football today. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. There's a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. All right, welcome back, Dan. C.J. Stroud to the Detroit Lions. That's a fit that you'd like to see. That's a destination you'd like to see for C.J. Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback. This is actually my favorite fit. I did Richardson first because he's the most fun and has the most upside for fantasy. But Stroud to the Lions is my favorite fit. We'll get into why in a moment, but let me first talk a little bit about the prospect. I think if you throw on, and this was the first game I watched to him, the Georgia tape from this year, 
you would honestly think he's the consensus one, one in that game. He did everything that they said he couldn't do in that game. He escaped from the pocket. He threw on the run. He had a better feel for pressure. And I know Dave and I have a little bit of a different eval there. Dave was, I was reading back through Dave's eval today and he thought he was a little bit better under pressure than I thought he was to me. That's his biggest uh, potential concern. But in that game against Georgia, the best defense, nope, no concern at all. Everything was there. Now I've spoken to some people about it and some people have really are, are really strong in thinking that because he had that full month to prepare for that game because Ohio state, you know, that game was a month after that playoff game. It helped them. I don't know. But again, that game, he looked like the potential one, one, and I got really excited, but the things I like about him so much with the fit to the lions are he's been compared at times to Goff, And I kind of can see that, but I think Goff is more of a drive thrower, especially in intermediate range. And Shroud is actually a better thrower down the field and has better deep field accuracy than Jared Goff. And I think he just has a better feel in the pocket than Goff, including that escapability we talked about. You know, this is with a guy with four, five, three speed. You didn't see it on film a lot because he didn't run a lot. He wants to be in the pocket. He wants to go through regressions. That makes him a great fit, I think, for what the Lions have and what they're doing. He played 121 snaps under center, and that's actually a lot for a college quarterback these days, which makes him a really good fit for the Lions and offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, who wants to do a lot of heavy play action stuff from under center there in Detroit. He threw five passes of 40 plus air yards in 20 uh, 2022 which was good um other things i like about the fit with the ben johnson offense here in detroit are the fact that you know he is a quarterback who threw the running back 4.6 percent of the time which is not a lot and that's fine because that's not part of the detroit offense he wants to go through his progressions and a player who's going to fit perfectly with him right away is Amon Ross St. Brown because his number one target in 2021, despite having Garrett Wilson, despite having Chris Olave, was Jackson Smith and Jigba in the slot. And he is the type of quarterback who's going to just light up the numbers for Amon Ross St. Brown if he gets there. Also, 10.3 A dot, which was 12th among qualifiers, kind of speaks to his ability to throw downfield, which I think will fit well with Jameson Williams, who's going to be a much bigger part of this offense. This is my favorite fit of any of the quarterbacks, and I think if Detroit takes him, uh, I don't know if he'll play year one, which might even help him, but if he needs to play year one, I think he can do a really good job in this offense with this kind of offensive line and that coordinator. Jamie, what do you think about that destination for Stroud in terms of a dynasty pick? What would you, uh, How would you evaluate his dynasty value if Stroud goes to the Lions? I, I think it would be great. The only thing I would push back on is Ben Johnson's probably not going to be his coordinator by the time he started True. next year because my guess is he's going to get a head coaching job if his offense continues to look the way that it did last year and, and the hype that he's gotten this offseason. Just not, I think, ready uh, in NFL circles yet for him to take that next step in terms of being a head coach. But I, I think he has another year like this, another year of being an offense coordinator at this level. Uh, he's certainly going to have those opportunities. So I, I would think that the – the, the 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 scheme might change a little bit. You know, we'll see how they go. There's a lot of pressure for them to win now. So Dan Campbell might not be there. You know, it could be a whole new coaching staff if they don't make the playoffs and things just fall apart for a team that's getting a lot of you know high expectations. But yeah, I mean, clearly, if he's got an opportunity with those two receivers, if if Jamison Williams turns into the player that he's capable of becoming, whatever they do with the rest of their draft to continue to enhance their offense, because I don't think they're done building out this receiving core. I don't think Marvin Jones is the answer to you know their long term third receiver option there. Clearly. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a great fit, you know. If if things continue to progress the way that they have, and, and look, we we saw um, uh, Kellen Moore was getting a lot of hype to be an offensive to be a head coach, and that never happened, you know. And then he stayed in Dallas, and now eventually, you know, moved on to another team to be a coordinator. So that could could certainly be the case. But um, yeah, anytime you see these guys go to a, a situation where there's going to be good weapons, if not great weapons, around them, uh, not the pressure to play right away because he won't start ahead of Jared Goff based on the thoughts of the lions for this season. So 
you know, Dynasty, you guys got to wait it out of here. But, you know, eventually I, I think it would be a great fit knowing that, you know, you got St. Brown, Jameson Williams, and hopefully somebody else. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, Dave, when you talk about that that game against Georgia. Um, I remember it with Justin Fields. And I'm looking at his game log right now. Justin Fields, his last three games, I, I believe one of them was the Big Ten Championship game against Northwestern. I think there was bad weather in that game where he was playing hurt. There was some circumstance, but he was terrible. For Stroud? No, for Justin Fields. Okay, because Stroud played Northwestern in a downpour. Okay, I, I feel not like in the Big Ten Championship. There though, was some. Yeah. Well, either way, he Fields went twelve of twenty-seven for one hundred fourteen yards and two interceptions. Then against Clemson in the semifinals, Fields was twenty-two of twenty-eight, three hundred eighty-five yards, <laughs> six touchdowns. And so then, Ryan Day, when he has a month to prepare, yeah, <laughs> it may be. <laughs> and then against Alabama a week later, ten days later in the championship game, Fields was seventeen of thirty-three, hundred ninety-four yards, one touchdown, a, mm. a really bad game. Um, I don't know what all the circumstances were, but you know, Smith, all three of his star receivers played. So I, you know, it's it's kind of funny to draw, draw the parallels there. But they are and, very and different it, players. And the case against Stroud, by the way, for just being a total bust, the NFL level is look at what's around him. That's even just going into the draft this year. He's going to have the first offensive tackle off the board is Ohio State. The guy who's not going to be the first offensive tackle, but the best right tackle I think in this class, second best right tackle in this class. Dewan Jones was his right tackle. He also has a center who's considered widely as by most people as the third best center in his class. In addition to playing with Olave, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson in his career. So that's the case against. And Marvin I, Harrison this year. Marvin but Harrison Jr., I forgot, right. the best receiver to come sure. in the last decade. But yeah. who who did he have in that game against Georgia? He right. didn't have Olave and Garrett Wilson. <laughs> he didn't have Jackson Smith and Jigba. I don't believe he had Marvin Harrison Jr. I think he got hurt and in that game, if he, I remember. And he still rocked it. Yeah. But it is, you know, it, it is... I think the Fields situation, because let's face it, Fields has been good for fantasy. He hasn't been a very good passing quarterback. Throw, right. Years. Stroud's a better throw. Let's nope. not, right. But let's not, you know, make too much out of one game, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the running backs here. And uh, Zach Charbonnet to the Bengals. Basically, any one of the Bengals, right? <laughs> Assuming they get rid of Mixon. But why did you pick Zach Charbonnet, um, who is uh, six foot, 214 pounds out of UCLA? Yeah, I could have gone with. Bijan Robinson here. That's the easy one. I didn't do but Robinson for either of these. Everyone knows Robinson. Don't worry about him. Wherever he goes, buy into that fantasy stock. But looking past him, Zach Charbonnet is actually my RB2 in this class over Jameer Gibbs. I know that's not common. It's not consensus. But when you watch Zach Charbonnet, there, you can, in my opinion, you can see a special player right away. There's two traits that he has that I think are his Trump traits. The first is his contact balance, which is elite. And the second is a surprising wiggle to his game he when he's in a phone booth give me a player, wiggle give, give me a wiggle for yeah, you too a little, little wiggle oh, right there here. it is too, right? <laughs> surprising <laughs> wiggle too i don't have much wiggle to me i've always been said i have very tight hips on the dance floor i don't really have that wiggle. oh you're a terrible you know? dancer. I, I could tell you without even but so are you but dancer. that's true no but i'm a good I know, dancer i know you are as well no, i'm so a good i'm a good dancer you're not a good dancer you're <laughs> definitely not a good dancer neither am i but you're definitely not but anyway he's got a surprising wiggle to his game and he can beat guys in a phone booth so you get him out on the edge and that happened a lot in these you UCLA offense where he's right on the off tackle and he's running off tackle and he'll just make that dude miss, whether it's a safety coming down or a linebacker. And you're surprised for a guy who's a power profile runner. 
just incredibly productive at the college level. Seven yards per carry over his career. Uh, I'm sorry, in 2022, 1,359 yards. Explosive athlete. So you can see it with the jumps. They were elite. And the acceleration here for a power back is really incredible. One, five, four, 10 yard split. And you could see it on tape. It's amazing. The one thing that you don't have here in this profile is the deep speed. He's not a home run guy. He's not CJ2K. He's four, five, three speed. And that shows on film. Like he's not going to break long runs, but he's going to get you so many doubles and he's a natural hands catcher, which is important to me. You're not going to see him run like Texas routes or, or wheel routes. He doesn't have that kind of speed and he hasn't run that much at UCLA. But it doesn't really matter because when you watch the Bengals offense, what are they mostly throwing to the running backs? It's flare routes to the flat when Joe Burrow goes through his regressions fast, sees that he doesn't, that, you know, sees the coverage is downfield, knows he's going to have a one on one with the running back in space, and he just gets it out there. That was most of what P. Ryan, that in screens, most of what P. Ryan and Mixon did. So it's perfect for him because he's a really natural hands catcher. Love that he already has developed this nasty stiff arm move that works a lot and it's going to work at the next level. 145 com com combined 145 first downs or touchdowns via the run game since 2021 leads all power five players 806 yards after contact 122 force missed tackles third most over the last two seasons 26 carries of 15 plus yards which is crazy and that's the type of runner he is you bring him to the Bengals, where like you talked about earlier joe mixon might be a cap casualty uh 10 million in cap over 10 million saving cap space as dave mentioned Either way, even if Mixon stays for one season, Charbonnet is going to play a lot like we saw with P. Ryan and then take over the next year. This guy has the potential to do it all on three downs. He can already pass block well. He's strong. He, he's a natural hands catcher. And I love everything about his profile. This is one of my favorite prospects in the class, and I love the fit with the Bengals. Okay, Dave, the Bengals select Zach Charbonnet, and he is now a round what pick in fantasy? In redraft, I think people will start taking the chance on him potentially in the middle of round two. They're going to be really excited if he's a genuine feature back in Cincinnati. If it comes to pass that, what if he goes to Cincinnati and the Bengals keep Joe Mixon? That's going to be a different story. People will still be excited about Charbonnet. They won't take him anywhere near that high, probably looking at more like round six or seven if that's the situation that he's in. Um, and then he, he's going to be a first-round pick in, in dynasty rookie-only drafts no matter what. Maybe he flirts with the 102 in one QB leagues. If he goes to Cincinnati, and uh, honestly, if he goes to Cincinnati and there's no Joe Mixon, he will be the 102, provided that Jameer Gibbs doesn't have an equally good situation to be in himself. Uh, same question to you, Jamie. Charbonnet to the Bengals, redraft leagues, where does he get drafted? I would say the earliest round three. I don't think he's going ahead of Henry or Jacobs or, you know, a healthy Brees Hall. Um, you know, so th nope, those guys are going, you know, middle to the back end of round two. So I don't think he gets into round two. Um, maybe round three, and that's probably not in half PPR, you know, just depending on the situation. And they're clearly not done with their backfield, even if they do spend an early pick on Charbonnet. It's not going to be round one. Um, so it's just, it just a matter of, you know, whatever they decide to do. You know, you could see uh, – uh, still like a Leonard Fournette type, you know, being brought into the, the Bengals if they move on from Mixon. Because I, I just, you know, Travion Williams, I just don't, as much as they're trying to hype him up, I don't think he's the, the type of guy that's going to be their number two guy there with Chris Evans. So um, I, I could see it just an entirely different, you know, Bengals backfield. But again, it's all just speculation. It, it'd be it'd be fantastic. You know, this this is the type of, you know, guy, uh, you know, we did our, our, our profiles for each position. And um, I, I the way that I, I described him was if, if you can't, because he's, he's different from Gibbs. If you can't get Robinson, this is the next featured guy. You know, this is yep. the, as Dan said, the next next three down guy, more more naturally than Gibbs would be. Gibbs would be a little bit more 
forced into that type of role, I think. Um, so yeah, he's, you know, Philly and, and, and Cincy are the two, like, let's go get one of these guys scenarios. And, you know, if, if it's not Bijan to one of those two spots, to me, Charbonnet is the next one that I'd like to see there, you know? So uh, I agree with Dan, you know, he's going to be, um, and, and Dave, Dave said this too, you know, depending on the landing spot for Gibbs, he could easily be the, the second best spot. And, and to be honest, we could get to a situation where if Bijan goes to Dallas and is sharing with Pollard and Charbonnet goes to the Bengals and there's no Joe Mixon, it would not shock me at all in redraft leagues if Charbonnet is drafted mm-hmm. ahead of Bijan Robinson because clearly there's an easier path to a lot of production on a great offense. Well, that's a very interesting, <laughs> a very interesting uh, scenario there. Right. Who's more likely to get to 250 touches in that scenario? But it does remind me a little bit of a debate that Jamie and I were having just before the season started. The the fast rising Damian Pierce or Brees Hall, where mm-hmm. we, we knew Brees Hall was the better prospect, but Pierce had this path to immediate touches, which he got starting in week two. Brees Hall got it starting in week four. And that could have been a pretty good showdown. I think Hall probably would have won. Uh, especially in PPR. Oh, Hall but. definitely would have won, but Michael yeah. Carter is not Tony Pollard, though. Right, right. No, right, right. But we thought more of Michael Carter this time last year than we do this time you know, right but now. We, I mean, we're, we're talking Tony Pollard as a top five back. Uh, 100%. So, they're, they're, no, Pollard, much much better, much better. Yeah. But, and yeah. one and one final thing on Charbonnet, for those who haven't had a chance to watch him yet, I do suggest you do, but if you don't, the comp I want you to think about is a big, and in play style and, and kind of like um, how he runs, a bigger version of Maurice Jones Drew. So this is a throwback for those who played fantasy a little bit earlier. I mean, for I mean, it doesn't date us back that far, but a bigger version of Maurice Jones Drew is who I was reminded of, not just because they both played for UCLA. What about James Conner? I could see James Conner, but I think the difference is he has so much better force miss tackle and wiggle in space and the ability to plan his foot and then make a cut that forces a miss tackle than Connor. Connor to me is more of just an upright runner who has I, I know what you're. I know where you're getting at there, but sure. uh, I just feel like he's got a lot more wiggle to his game and ability to force missed tackles. Okay. Same thing. I would say it's a, there's a lot of similarities, but again, a, a better athletic David Montgomery. Ooh, I like that one a lot. Yeah, a more athletic Montgomery and a bigger. bigger and I guy. will say, since you're talking about Maurice Jones Drew and dating yourself a little bit there. <laughs> I don't know how much of our younger audience would even know what a phone booth is. So <laughs> I should probably say, what would he do in an elevator? Yeah, I know. I've been thinking about that, trying to change that one, especially because I know we got Adam as the host of the show. He hates all those things. He hates abbreviating things. He hates like those kind of monikers. So I'll, I'll think of something different than a phone booth for the next <laughs> one. I like the elevator. Or maybe in the case of of you in a bathroom. <laughs> in a bathroom, in a bathroom stall. Yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> all right. Uh, so we're getting a little long here. So I think we're probably just going to eliminate the tight ends from today's show, or we can, uh-huh. or we can pick up the pace. So let's try. Let's see how we do here with Tajay Spears out of Tulane. Uh, he ran for 50, over almost sixteen hundred yards and nineteen touchdowns, six point nine yards per carry, and against USC in their bowl game, seventeen carries, two hundred five yards, four touchdowns, and a fourteen yard catch. Tajay Spears going to, I don't know if I like this fit. Uh, based on what we saw in 2022, not a great spot necessarily for for running. Yes and no. All right, I'll, I can expand on that a little bit. But the Miami Dolphins, out of Tulane, Tajay Spears going to the Miami Dolphins. Why do you think that's a good fit? 
Well, first of all, I want to push back a little bit on what you said, and you can explain later, but there was some production in that run game in the middle toward the end of the year uh, with with Wilson specifically, Jeff Wilson, and they will that run game will continue to improve. It's a Shanahan principles, and I trust Mike McDaniel. But the reason I like Sajay uh, Spears so much, the first thing you do with a prospect, at least that 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 I do when I evaluate them, is I look at the best competition they face. I want to watch that film first. So I watched his game against USC. And when you throw on that film, you're seeing an offensive line for Tulane that has a bunch of dudes who got to be in the 240 to 275 range. I don't know their exact weights. Maybe they're in the 300 range. They sure don't look like it. And they're matched up against a power five defensive front. So you know, this is a tough spot for Tajay Spears to win. And yet he racks up 205 yards, four touchdowns in a crazy 46 to 45 comeback win for Tulane to win that bowl game. He was the dude in that game. He won them that game. And he took over in a game that was really tough match for him. And he's, you mentioned the 1600 rushing yards, 19 touchdowns, 1,052 of those rushing yards came after contact. Who expects that for a dude who's five foot nine, 210 pounds, but that's what he is. He shakes off leg tackles with consistency at Tulane. They did a really good job of mixing in both zone and power, uh, power gap blocking concepts, which means he's going to come into the NFL with the ability to play in either system, but his patience and burst make him a perfect fit for his zone blocking scheme. And what is Mike McDaniel run? They run that outside zone blocking scheme in Miami, which is just such a nice fit for this type of runner. 63 force missed tackles in 2022. That's obvious when you watch the tape. 4.55 yards after contact per attempt. Some backs didn't even average 4.55 it at, overall, and he did it after contact. You just don't expect this type of runner to have this kind of tackle-breaking ability, and it has everything to do with how low he runs, his contact balance. You'll often see him times get lost behind the offensive line, then pop, boom, he hits the crease. Such an explosive athlete, 91st percentile in both his jumps. Uh, this is just one of my favorite running backs in space. He's a violent runner. He will he will hit the hole and you're you're just gonna be like, who are you watching here? How is a dude who's five foot nine, two hundred hitting the roll with that hitting the hole with that kind of violence? And yet that's Tajay Spears. This is an incredible runner, and I love the fit for the outside zone blocking scheme of Mike McDaniel. I think you call I think you said he was two ten earlier. He's he listed at two oh one. No, two oh four, right? Yeah. Two oh one at the combine. Five ten, two oh one. So I added nine Tajay pounds Spears. to his range. Yeah. He plays like he's two ten. No, I think what's interesting about the <laughs> Dolphins is they had such a good offense, you know, that there were a lot of fantasy points for a lot of players. But Tua Tunga Bailoa really does not throw to his running backs a lot. Uh that's just number one. And the Dolphins last year, they had the eighth fewest running back carries in the NFL. Um they had the fourth fewest running back carries inside the five-yard line. I don't know. That that could be fluid. But they didn't really run the ball that much. Um, and then in the passing game, they did rank 12th with 113 running back targets. But uh, I think if you just look at the games that Tua started and finished, they were they were 20th in running okay. back targets. Um, and that's that's a three-year history now of Tua not really throwing to his running backs much. But, but they have a really good offense. And yes, Wilson and Mostert were good. Uh, so Jamie, I'll let you get the first word here. Do you like it? Tajay Spears to Miami. What kind of, a uh, what kind of a fantasy impact do you think we could have from him in year one? Not much, you know, un- unless you get the, the typical injuries for Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, which is certainly plausible given what those guys have shown you in their careers, but it wouldn't be bad. I think, you know, moving forward from that, if in fact, you know, he's that type of guy and Tua is still healthy 2024, Mike McDaniel's still the coach, 2024. There's a lot of moving parts, I think, with the Dolphins, given the investments that they've made in so many high-profile players that if this falls apart quickly, which you can see it happening, if they don't win and they're in a very tough division and a very tough conference, um, 
you know, the owner has certainly proven that he, he's not afraid to, you know, make some changes. So um, I, I do think in, in, in this scenario, his rookie season will be a little bit lost. But I think, you know, moving forward, if everybody's still there, two is healthy, you know, Tyreek Hill doesn't retire, like he's saying, in three years. And, you know, Mike McDaniel's still the coach there. The one thing is, is, you know, you, you say running back targets. Even if you go back to the, the, the seasons of Mike McDaniel working with Kyle Shanahan, Prior to Christian McCaffrey, they didn't really throw to their running backs either. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shanahan, I think, had one fifty catch guy. It was Carlos Hyde, I think, his first season there, um, which is a surprising name to hear, uh, knowing that he wasn't exactly the most prolific <laughs> pass catcher. But really, it's kind of been a lot of Kyle Juszczyk, so you can kind of factor that in if you want to, if you want to, you know, say those are running back targets that are available there. Uh, but I don't really love this. I'd rather see him go to a situation where there is a pass catching role available. Like to me, Denver makes so much sense to put him there, you know, because. I don't think Samaj P. Ryan is a great talent. I know Sean Payton likes him. Uh, but if Javante Williams can't stay healthy and they're going with some sort of combination or a lot of mixing and matching, you know, this type of player, Jameer Gibbs type of player in Denver, you know, any of those situations where you're getting a guy that has a chance to be a pass catcher with still some, you know, first and second down ability, which I think is where Spears comes in. Uh, I think those those are the type of – that's the type of team I would like to see him go to, not, not in a situation like Miami. I, I think I view him as a different pro, which is fine. It's going to happen in this process as a different type of prospect than you guys do. Cause I don't see him as like the uh, Jameer Gibbs type. You can use him on passing downs. He's a pass catcher first. I really, when you watch his film, I really think you he's more of a first and second down type of yeah, runner. I do. I didn't mean to imply that he's a third down guy. No, that's okay. They don't. I don't know if he's going to be a 250 carry guy. I, I just don't know if that's it's tough at his, that size. I understand. Yeah. With, within his, you know, NFL profile. But again, you know, NFL running backs are, are, are so fluid these days. All right, Dave, what's your thoughts on Tajay Spears to the Dolphins? He's a good, fast, one cut running back. And so any offense that runs that type of, you know, zone running, whether it's, you know, strictly outside zone, wide zone, inside zone, he, he can be effective in that. And I, I think there's some ceiling to his game as far as pass catching goes, just because we didn't see him get a ton of catches at Tulane or run a, a bunch of crazy different routes. It doesn't mean that he can't do it. I think he's got some potential, but there's roadblocks for his rookie year. Jamie mentioned it. So if you draft him, the question is, and this is for redraft, how patient are you going to be with him? Let's say you get him in round 10, which is a great time to take stabs on, on players with high upside, and you get to week four and – Wilson or Mostert are still healthy, and Tajay Spears is only getting, you know, scraps, six touches a game. Are you really going to hang on to him? He's the type of running back, if he, if he were to go to Miami and there isn't that clear path to the starting lineup, that I'm not going to draft. I'm going to let somebody else in my league draft him, and when they're annoyed because he's not getting a lot of work, they'll cut him, and I'll pick him up then, and hopefully in the middle of the season, he gets those opportunities that we're looking for and he takes advantage of it because it is a good fit for him. It's just a matter of how many opportunities he'll actually get. I would, if they draft him in the third round or something like that, then, then maybe I'd be concerned if they spend a second round pick on him or on any running back. I don't think that Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert are such roadblocks. I agree. I mean, these guys are yep. good players, but uh, you know, they're not, if you believe in a running back, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert should not be the reason why you keep that running back off the field. In my opinion, well, I think I think he'd earn snaps over those two by the midpoint season. I think he's a much better player than those two. We'll see if I'm wrong about that, but I think that's partially why I like the fit. The other issue that we're talking about is if he's going with Miami second, that that's their first pick is at 51st overall. Yeah, yeah they're not that's what they're no, going to address with their first. Pick. But he could he could definitely no. fall into day, day uh, into round three potentially. I, as well. I think that we always have to remember that teams trade up a lot. 
So when you sit there and you look right. at, a, at a team's draft board and which picks they have, they could always take a third-round pick and a sixth-round pick. But they don't have trade. a lot of picks. That's the problem. But they could trade they back from 51 and pick up an extra two and a three and use one of those on a running back Like does, they, if yeah. they trade back from 51 potentially. It's, just, I, 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 it's all I'd hypothetical. They only have four picks. So that is a problem for the Dolphins. They have a, a two, a three, 51, a six, and a 51, 84, 197, and 238. I'd be shocked. And what did they get for one of those picks? A conversation with Tom Brady? That seems so like such bad value. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a break here. And in, in our next two hours, we'll talk about Jackson Smith and Jigba and Zay Flowers. Um, and I'll tell Dan the TV show I watched last night, oh. which was really good. Really, really good. Okay, that'll, that'll save a lot of time. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we'll be back after this. All right, Jackson Smith and the Jigba, too. I, ooh, I don't know how I feel about this. You know, I know, Dan, you are such a Christian Watson guy. You're more of a Christian Watson guy than I am, and you have, as a great fit, Jackson Smith and, and in Jigba to the Green Bay Packers. Dan, who would you draft first if – Jackson Smith and Jigba goes to the Packers. Who would you draft first, Watson or JSN? JSN. And let me let me make this quick too, because uh, we're we're running out of time here. First of all, everyone's making such a big deal of his con. Oh, he runs a four five three. He didn't do money testing in the combine. The only thing I care about was the three cone and the short shuttle, ninety sixth and ninety seventh percentile, as elite as it gets. We're talking Julian Edelman, Wes Welker type elite. He's a slot receiver. That's what I want to see: change of direction, ability, and he shows that. In addition to that, as a sophomore, sixteen hundred uh, six yards, ninety five receptions, led the team with Olave and Garrett Wilson on the team. Why is that? Because he gets open in the slot. What is a quarterback like Christian? Uh, I'm sorry, like Jordan Love need coming in. And look, I saw some flashes I like from Jordan Love when he came in in that Eagles game, but he's going to need a reliable target that get open early. Christian Watson, I love him. I love what he can do around the line of scrimmage. I love what he can do down the field, but he's not the type of receiver who's going to get open right away for those layup throws that a quarterback who's young like Jordan Love needs. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be that guy. He's going to command targets. It's going to be a perfect spot from a PPR standpoint. And just a few more stats to throw in. I said I'd do this quick, so just a few more stats. These are courtesy of Dave. Five or more receptions. He wrote up the draft profile on, on JSN. Five or more receptions. Uh, five or more receptions in 10 of 13 games, which is incredible. Nine plus receptions in each of his final five games in 2021. And remember, 2022 was an injury uh, plague season for JSN. And then among uh, 132 qualifying receivers with 75 targets in 2021, uh, JSN was top five in catch rate, yards per route run, and yards per game. This is an elite prospect at getting open, catching the football, which is such an important thing for a young quarterback that doesn't have a lot of reps and experience. Okay, Dave, JSN or Christian Watson if he goes to the Packers? I think, I know I would take Watson first in non and half PPR. I think I would still take Watson in full PPR, but it could be really, really close. I'm I'm definitely a huge fan of JSN. Um, and I don't know if he's just a slot receiver. I think that's his floor. I think his floor is is playing like a Munroth St. Brown has been. Maybe not the same type of target share that a Munroth St. Brown has gotten, but I think Njigba could end up being um relatively uh, high target from game to game somewhere in the neighborhood of seven per game would be great. And I, I think that he could be a good short security blanket for Jordan love if he went to green Bay, but I don't think he's got the game breaking upside that Christian Watson has. And Watson also with Jordan love last year took a short pass to the house. So I think I mean, he's got a little bit more upside and I think I'd bank on that in fantasy rather than JSN in full PPR break the tie, Jamie. 
I'd go Watson, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Smith and Jigba's better in terms of his catches and his potential targets. But, you know, it's, uh, you've heard me say this about Jacksonville, like it could be a Chris Godwin, Mike Evans type of scenario where they're both very good. Um, but, you know, then you're asking Jordan Love to be that good, and I don't know if he has that type of ceiling. Yeah. But in any event, I I, yeah. I think Watson, um, just more upside, at least for, at least just in 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 JSN's rookie season. You know, by by year two, we could be saying that was such a huge mistake because he's got that much upside. Right. Yeah. Do, oh. do not pigeonhole him as a slot receiver only. He, he would be though in Green Bay. That would be the problem. But I don't know if that's even a problem. We've seen it with Amon Ross St. Brown. You can still be one of the best right. fantasy receivers in the NFL as a slot only. Yeah, the offense has to want that to happen, though. For sure. And I think if you have a young quarterback like Love who doesn't have a lot of reps, give him those easy layup throws. And JSN is going to be much more of a layup throw kind of receiver, in my opinion, sure. than Christian Watson. Gosh. I get that. But let's not forget, this is the franchise that when's the last time they took a wide receiver in round one? Right, right. Like they, if they wouldn't do it for Aaron Rodgers, they're going to do it now. They have, they have, to, they have to learn through their mistakes, you would hope. Javon Walker. Yeah, but this is when they learn that lesson? It's kind of weird to me. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, oh, yeah, right? Like, finally get rid of Rodgers and then draft one in the, right. in the first round. Javon Walker was 2000, I think. Oh, no, 2002. Huh. 2002. Okay, okay so uh, it's been 21 years. Wow. So how about our last one? I think the most interesting one. Zay Flowers to the Chargers. Oh boy, a head oh boy. scratch. This would make me. This would make my head spin. What does this mean for Keenan Allen and Mike Williams <laughs> specifically? Keenan Allen. Um, why is this a good fit? Zay Flowers to the Chargers. So everyone's focus for the Chargers has been putting Jalen Hyatt here, and I understand why. The idea with the Chargers is more than anything else, this offense needs actual speed at wide receiver to maximize Justin Herbert's arm, to open up the middle of the field for the Keenan Allen types. But guess what? Zay Flowers, to me, is as good, if not a better bet, to be a vertical threat at the next level than Jalen Hyatt, who ran all of his snaps from the slot with free releases behind a stack. Zay Flowers is the opposite of that. You've probably seen the comparisons to Antonio Brown for Flowers. I don't love it, but there is one thing about their game that is exactly the same, and it's the ability to win off the line of scrimmage against press coverage with the speed release. That's how Antonio Brown, despite being such a small receiver, just like, say, Flowers is, I think he's 5'9", 184, could win against press because he had that speed release, so he could just beat you. You can never get his your hands on him. It's very similar to how Devontae Smith, another receiver, where everyone's like, oh, is he going to be able to beat press? He's so small. Well, he wins because you can't get your hands on him in press. So I love that about his game and no receiver besides Tyler. Well, it's a tie between Zay flowers and Tyler Scott, but watching these two receivers more than any receiver in this draft class in these draft class, you see so many examples of these dudes getting open and they're wide open down the field. And the quarterback just from BC just doesn't even see it or the protection breaks down. And there's just so many reps of these dudes winning. And he reminds me actually a lot, Zay flowers of Tyler Lockett coming out of K state and just that ability to win uh, as a vertical route runner by setting up his route so well. The nuance is the route running. that you, you stab your foot here and then you go back inside. And in addition to all of that, what I said about his ability to win in the vertical game for the Chargers, he also has a lot of other aspects of his game that are really impressive. After the catch, he's essentially a punt returner. He looks like a running back in space, finding angles, breaking away speed. And he did return punts, by the way, at BC, but finding angles, breaking away. So you can use him in space if you're the Chargers, if you want to get him out there and screen 
means. There's so many different ways to win with Zay Flowers, but the vertical game is where I'm really most excited about. And he recorded five or more receptions of 20 yard plus yards down the field in all four of his college seasons and 12 in 2022. These are 20 plus yard throws that he caught down the field. 500 of his 1077 yards came on deep passes. And remember, this is with oh. terrible quarterback play at Boston College. Terrible quarterback play. Dan, you watched a lot of Zay, right? You've watched more than I have. Love Zay. Yep. How how many times did he see bracket coverage, and how did he do against that specific type of coverage? Great question, and that's another thing I like about Zay Flowers' profile. Versus a lot of these other receivers, he faced more bracket coverage because when you're facing Boston College, there's right. literally nothing right. else to worry about but Zay Flowers, and he beat Zach bracket coverage. There's a route in the red zone where they had bracket coverage over him, and he, comes, he makes an in-breaking route, comes all the way across the red zone, and then plucks away from his frame and catches it for a touchdown. It looked like you're watching Antonio Brown on that specific rep do you remember the game uh, i think that was versus nc state but i don't remember it i'm not okay. positive on that i'll look for it so if that were the case jamie zay flowers goes to the chargers um, what would it mean for keenan allen and mike williams i mean obviously it's a downgrade you know when you get one of the better players in the class coming there he's uh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna say this i I'd like to see it, but I, I think he's an immediate upgrade over Josh Palmer. You know, clearly the nuances of the game have to come to him, but um, I think he'll get it quickly and, and that will sort of show. So now you're talking about a better third receiving option. Um, you know, Gerald Everett is not the most dynamic playmaking tight end. He certainly has the ability to do so, but they don't feature him like that. So now you're getting probably some different, you know, looks, uh, clearly a different coordinator. So Kellen Moore, I'm sure, would love to have a three receiver, you know, unit like this group with so many different options, so many different ways to beat people. But obviously the fantasy value for the top two guys comes down. And any any scenario where the, these receivers get a player like this brought in, you know, uh, a Quinton Johnson, a Jordan Addison, you know, uh, obviously Smith and Jigba, you know, they're going to drive down the value of those other guys. And that doesn't mean that they still can't be productive. It just hurts the ceiling for those guys. So Keenan Allen probably goes from a 100 catch guy to, you know, 85. Mike Williams, you know, goes probably back to a 50 catch guy. Uh, 65 catch guy, you know, you're going to rely on a lot of big plays. Um, you know, certainly helps Justin Herbert when they miss their time with injuries. If that happens again, like we saw last season. So uh, it just, it just hurts them across the board, but still can be productive. I think I've tried to go back and look at if rookie wide receivers hurt veteran wide receivers. Um, depends. I mean, a guy like. Of course. Al no, it's not. Of course. It really isn't. I, I was surprised by it. Uh, a guy like Alan Lazard, yes. Elijah Moore, there was a lot more to it than just Garrett Wilson last year. Um, can really can't really give an answer on what happened with the Saints. You know, Michael Thomas in the first three games had fewer targets than uh, Chris Olave, uh, but there are plenty of examples. Like Terry McLaurin was a huge drop. He had the same amount of games. He had ten fewer targets. But they also had Curtis Samuel, you know, who barely played in 2021. So I actually, if, if I went through all of the examples, you'd be surprised. Rookie wide receivers, even the really good ones, they don't make that big of a difference typically on a really good wide receiver. On a marginal but you're talking about you guys there, though. I know. That's the tricky part. You know, th this that's the tricky part. But you are talking about also, you're talking about a team that's been top five in pass attempts each of the last three years. And that's not changing with the new OC. And they need a downfield threat. So Flowers going to L.A. would kind of hurt for fantasy a little bit because I don't think he'd be able to deliver consistency. I think the only one in that receiving core that would would be Keenan Allen, and that's mm -hmm. only in PPR. But he would be a huge boost to that offense. 
And we know Herbert can throw the deep ball. He just didn't do a great job of it last year. Yeah. I'll give you a rookie Partially rookie because of who he had. Good. Rookie receiver heard a veteran. <laughs> How many touchdowns did Deontay Johnson have last year? I would not. Oh, that had right. nothing to do with George Pickens. That was a rookie quarterback. Now, rookie quarterbacks can hurt veterans. But, um, like, Deontay Johnson, by the way, I think there were probably some concerns. I don't know. I had a lot of hopes for Zacchaeus last year in Atlanta and then Drake London. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did he hurt Kyle Pitts? That's a question. I don't know. But that's, again, they had well, a quarterback I mean, change. hurt Kyle Pitts. Uh, right. But in the games they played, I, I would argue that rarely did London hurt Pitts. Right. I would argue Mariota hurt Pitts. Exactly. Mariota killed Drake London. If you look at veteran quarterbacks with veteran wide receivers that add a rookie wide receiver, I can think of, it's, it's again, C.D. Lamb. Did he hurt Amari Cooper, if you recall? We don't know. Dak Prescott got hurt five it, games in. Exactly. And he threw 50 passes a game. So I can't really make any judgments on that. Did, How about Minnesota in 2020? That's a good one. Adam Thielen had a very good year. I think he had like a top 12 year or something like that, maybe per game. See, I'll look but the last half of the year, Justin Jefferson basically blew Adam Thielen away. Mm. Um, the last four games of this past season, Jahan Dotson had either the same amount or more targets than Terry McLaurin. It did he take scored, a while. What, three more touchdowns in half the games? Yeah. Uh, I don't, again, I can't say that was because of Dotson. Oh. I mean, McLaurin still had a, a you know pretty good target share. Uh, Chase Claypool did not do anything to Deontay Johnson in 2021, and there was some concern about that. Uh, Debo Samuel was banged up in 2020 when Ayuk took off in the second half of the season. Right, right. Uh, so there's not that many examples. First of all, there aren't that many examples of like of this good court. Oh, how about T. Higgins? So this was actually surprising. When they drafted Jamar Chase, T. Higgins still had a very good year that year. Uh, didn't really affect him that much. But, but... It did affect Tyler Boyd, and the T. Higgins drafting did affect Tyler Boyd the year before. So I think, like, if you're a great receiver, I don't know if you want to put Tyler Boyd in the great receiver category. Exactly, though. that's what I'm saying. If you're a great receiver, you might not be affected by it. If you're Tyler Boyd, you probably will be affected by it. Um, that's just kind of what I found. I've, I tried to find all of the examples I could. Um, oh, how about J Devontae Parker averaged 7.3 targets per game in 10 games with Jalen Waddell, who didn't really have that great of a season. Eh, that one's probably... Whatever. Again, not a great receiver. Right, but you would expect him to be effect more affected by it. Okay. Anyway, uh, that's an interesting kind of angle to look at here, and it's something that I was a bit surprised by. It's also... You know, look, draft capital will matter. You know, if they take Zay Flowers in the second round... He's not lasting all the way to that. And it, you get so many different opinions on this receiver. You just never know. Right, you're right. Right. Oh, hey, right. Jamie, yesterday, no, he's not a right. top 10 guy. yesterday, Ryan Wilson said that what he was hearing was that it's either going to be JSN or Zay Flowers as the first receiver selected. That enough okay. teams like Flowers right. that much. I do know the Patriots well. have been sniffing around Flowers like crazy since January. It's just too explosive. His film is just too impressive. I just don't see him lasting all the way to the middle of round two, but maybe. Okay, let's do the rest of the show in five minutes. Uh, Dan, last night I was looking for something to watch while my wife was watching Vanderpump okay. Rules on Bravo. Instead of texting me, the TV guru, you decided to just go rogue? Okay, I go went on. on Paramount Plus, I looked at the comedies, and I watched the pilot episode of Frasier, and it was very oh, good, no. and I have a feeling it's a lot better than you than you could even imagine. <laughs> oh, okay. so, you can't even imagine how good it is, this yuppie walking around Seattle, <laughs> just the most unrelatable stuff. Oh, uh, what what happened? What? Tell me what was funny about the first episode. It's just funny. They're funny people. They're funny characters, and the dad That's not is a good funny. sell. It's just funny. It had a lot That's of heart. It had a lot of heart. Um, heart? Go, just go watch the pilot. It's a very good pilot. It's not, it's not going to make your sides split. 
but it's a very it's a very good pilot. Okay. Were you a Cheers guy? Was I, I was a Cheers guy. Dan's too young for Cheers. Never heard of it. I've heard of Cheers, and Cheers has a lot more quality than Frasier. Cheers is better. Yeah, I think Cheers is probably better than Frasier, but. Um, are you Jamie? You ever see Frasier? Do you like Frasier? No, I mean I've seen a few episodes. I I, I was I was a Cheers guy because you know growing up you had three channels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not that old. Come on, Jamie. Um, yeah. yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, all right, Fantasy Cops from Steve. My league is a one-player keeper where you give up the draft round from where you drafted the player the year prior. But we're going to be adding a super flex position this year. The problem I cited is that we didn't discuss this prior to last year. Oh. Since quarterbacks are valued so differently in the format, I argued that we should do one of the following. Quarterbacks cannot be kept this year. The Superflex is not put in until the 2024 season. Quarterbacks can be kept, but their their draft round value is five rounds later than, or no, five rounds earlier than where they were actually drafted. So if you drafted one in round six, he's a round one value. Uh, what do we think, cops? There's only one good option here. Quarterbacks cannot be kept this year. Everything else is a terrible option. Obviously, you need to reset the quarterback market and figure that out this year by not allowing keepers. Let the true value be be shown this year, and then you can go with keepers uh, next year. But put it to I a know. league vote first. Make sure that the no league, league is vote. okay with that solution. <laughs> I, I rule with an iron fist. There's no, What else makes sense here? Do the other options even make sense to you guys? No, yeah. other than super flex isn't put in until 2024, right. which and you're, then you have I, to I wait think more people will be upset about that. And even then, that's not great because you're drafting for a one QB league this year, so yeah. every quarterback's still oh. falling. And then once again next year, there's these horrible quarterback guys. All right, well, case no, you're, closed. You still draft for for super flex keeper though. Right, it does uh, add. A, yeah, and yeah. it's really weird. You're playing a one QB league, but all these quarterbacks are coming off the board early, and people are benching, like stacking quarterbacks on their bench. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. So this is an email from Bradley. Dalton Kincaid and Jalen Hyatt. Kincaid, mm. uh, one of the top tight end prospects out of Utah. Hyatt, a wide receiver out of Tennessee. Um, they are two rookies that are arguably one-year wonders. It seems that people are generally more on board with Kincaid, even though both players needed an injury to move into a productive role. I understand Kincaid is a tight end, so he has the potential to be more impactful fantasy asset, but why do you think the perception of Hyatt is more skeptical than that of Kincaid? Dan? Yeah, so the perception of Hyatt is more skeptical for a lot of reasons. Let's start with the fact that he played in an Art Briles-style offense at Tennessee. The Josh Heupel offense looks nothing like what he's going to run in the NFL. Let's let's continue that by saying he faced under 70 snaps total of press coverage at the collegiate level. 89% of his snaps in the slot, and oftentimes in the slot, Hyatt was behind the, the first receiver in his stack, so he gets a free release off the line of scrimmage. Versus Kincaid, who, like you said, they have the similar profile in the sense that they're one-year wonders, but none of that applies to Kincaid, right? All that other stuff is fine he's a tight end he can get open in space so that's the big issue with Hyatt coming from that system not facing press coverage and getting all those free releases from the slot Dave I feel like you don't really love Kincaid based on our conversation yesterday and I I, maybe I need to watch more about I I love Kincaid I love him I think he's going to be potentially terrific for fantasy I've just started to really watch him the first game that I watched was Oregon and I definitely did not come away impressed. So if, if his film is a lot like that game, then I'm I'm not going to be excited about a tight end that doesn't have great speed, does have good quickness to get open. Dan mentioned that. The agility is there. And he's not a great blocker. That doesn't really matter for fantasy. In fact, you'd almost rather him not block at all and be one of those types of tight ends. But I don't know if if a guy with a with a back injury can stand the test of time and become a very good or even a start-worthy fantasy tight end. 
at least Hyatt has speed. And that's what the coaches are going to see with him is that he can get downfield and they hope that they can coach him up to, to get around that. And he's better than the DJ Chark type of wide receivers that don't get better than that and are not just a one trick pony. But it, it'll come down to where they land, how they're used, how effective they'll be. Jamie, any thoughts on Kincaid and Hyatt? I, I mean, I, I love Kincaid's first game last season. It was great. <laughs> what, what was, was that? that? A Gators game? And it was Florida? a number 29 game against Florida. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, this is from Cody in Syracuse. 12-team, three-receiver PPR, Superflex Dynasty League. I'm not terrible, but I'm rebuilding over the past couple of years with three first-rounders this year. Picks four, mm-hmm. eight, and ten. Remember, it's Superflex. Um, grade this oh, trade. Give Ken Walker, Jerry mm. Judy, and Jordan Love. Oh boy. Get Justin Herbert and AJ Dillon. <sighs> I, I gotta say, I like it. I, I look. I want to hear what Dave and Jamie have to say, so I'll make this brief. But for me, in superflex leagues, I'm all about quarterback. I think they're gold. I don't trust Jordan Love long-term. I trust Justin Herbert long-term. I don't really care what the other pieces are because I think everything else fades, but quarterback stays, and it's the most important position by far in this format. So I like the trade. If you think Kenneth Walker can be a start-worthy, top, better than start-worthy, that's too low of a bar. Top 12 type of fantasy running back for at least the next three seasons. I, I think you got to hold on to him and not make the trade. I think you're giving up too much to get Justin Herbert. It's a lot. I'd make the trade in a second. It's it's Walker, Judy, and Jordan Love for Justin Herbert and AJ Dillon. So we yeah, have two yeses. I mean, to me, it's an easy one. I'm I'm getting Justin Herbert all day. All right. This is from Matt from a place in Canada where Dunkaroos do not exist. Montreal. Even, Why is that? I don't. Do you know I just made it up. That's my oh. favorite place in Canada. Oh, okay. What is it? <laughs> I said Montreal. I was joking. It's my favorite place in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Chocolate or vanilla Dunkaroos, Dan? A great question. Chocolate by far. Right. That's what I said. 70 percent of the Twitter poll. 70 percent said vanilla. I know. I know. Gross. Um, okay. Uh, 12 team PPR league. Also, there's this greeting here that I'm going to Google to make sure it's not something I shouldn't be reading. <laughs> oh, God. Um, oh, these are crypto stats. Yeah, those are crypto. Dear stats. XRP, ADA and ETH. I have zero crypto in my profile. Is that a problem? I'm worried. No. I also have zero crypto. I don't have much of a profile anyway. 12 team PPR. How's your portfolio? Is it strong to quite strong? What What's is that, that from? Meet the parents, I think. Okay. All right. 12 team PPR league. Uh, start three receivers. Start three flex. Yeah, you didn't know that Adam bought the commanders? At a super uh, flex. Oh. Yeah. I'm in the Well, group. no. I, I, the thing is, if he bought the commanders, we already, we would have already heard about a Derek Carr to the commanders trade from the Saints to the commanders. Remember, Jamie said if they get Derek Carr, they're a Super Bowl contender. That is true. He did say yeah. that. Oh, pish posh. I did not say that. He didn't say that. Just to be clear to the listeners, he never actually said that much. <laughs> but I had to think about it for a second because it loves sounded fit, like though. something I may have said. You did say that they would be a, a legitimate playoff contender. Yes. Yeah. I agree with that. I was right. I gave up some average depth pieces, a star running back, and all my 2024 draft picks to get 101 and 104. I have Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. It is super flex. And um, would you consider taking Bijan and JSN with picks 101 and 104? Remember, he has Mahomes and Rodgers. Or do you Mm -hmm. take Bijan and then a quarterback at 104? 
Bijan for sure. I would take because I I know I'm going to miss Bijan at 104 if I don't take him at 101, and I think he's worth that much even in in a super flex. Um, at 104, I think it just depends on the fit with these quarterbacks. I need to I I, I honestly need to see where they go, which coach they get. I think so much of if these guys are going to hit or not in the NFL is which which system and which coach they get. Jamie, what would you do? You take Bijan one and then quarterback. Or I mean, Jason? it might get decided for you just because of what Dan said, you know, where these quarterbacks go. Cause if, if Stroud falls and you know, Dan scenario, he goes to Detroit, you can't use him this season. You know, is that worth taking now, depending on, you know, how comfortable you feel about your team or is it just better to take the, the, the receiver there. But if, if, you know, Smith and the Jigba goes picks two or three, which is definitely likely. You know, then then it's easy for you. But I'd probably lean toward the quarterback. You know, if you're going to make one investment in a non-quarterback in a super flex league when you've traded all these assets to get into that spot, as as questionable as all these quarterbacks might be, Bryce Young with his size, Richardson as a project, Levis as a project, you know, Stroud just maybe not having the huge ceiling. I still think, you know, knowing that Aaron Rodgers is maybe a year away from retirement, you got to make sure you have yes. something in place to carry you for uh, for that eventual, you know, uh, number two quarterback, super flex quarterback that you'll need. All right, Dave, this one's for you. It's from Josh in Montreal, which is Dan's favorite city in Canada. I'm sure he's been to like at least 10 Canadian cities. So this is I've been really- to two, Montreal yeah. and Vancouver, both amazing. Uh, dear Vladdy, Pedro, Larry, and Andre. Those are expos. With the emergence of the Russian quarterback being a cheat code for fantasy football, I think it's time to revisit quarterbacks. Did you say What'd you say? Russian? Rushing. Oh, he said Russian. Yeah, no, not them. Rushing quarterbacks. I think uh, passing yards should be changed from... 0.04 points per yard to 0.05 points per yard. What do you think, Dave? So 100 yards is now five points. Yeah. 400 yards is, or 300 yards is 15 points. Instead of 12. You get a touchdown on top of that. I mean, it, it still makes rushing quarterbacks a cheat code because they're still going to get plenty of yardage at times too. So I think you're just, you know, making quarterbacks overweight if you change that. Yeah, and we don't want overweight quarterbacks. And uh, the last one is from Bill. No, I can't do this one. I'm sorry, Bill. It's just it's a long one. I thought we'd have time for it. I was foolish. We have no time. We are out of here. This is what misses the cut. We have time to yeah, talk read about the guys in. We're over an hour. An episode here. of Frazier, but we can't answer Bill from Cincinnati's question. <sighs> I I'm hate, still devastated. I, I didn't get say, to talk about my tight ends. I, I hate. Up talking about anything other than football when Dave is on the show. I know I'm going to get called out for it. <laughs> it it's so uh, obnoxious. I mean, this is for f- 12 years already. All right, from Bill. We got to hurry through the show. We got to hurry through the show. I watched Frazier. You know, people enjoy the respite. They enjoy the break. don't talk about rushing through the rest of the show, Adam. Rushing? It's been an hour and seven minutes. This is the longest show of the year for us, Dave. I could have talked about my I could have talked about my tight end fits with this. One of my (laughs) goals is for us to have shorter shows. That's one of my goals. I actually appreciate the show because when when Dan was going through Anthony Richardson, I practiced falling asleep with my eyes open, and it worked. (laughs) Oh, here we go again. Every time Jamie says this, every time. No, you know what, Jamie, Jamie you not- needed to hear more about Anthony Richardson because your take on him, despite being a game I heard, player, I heard a lot. You talked a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to talk about that, Jamie. You're not allowed to talk about anything other than an actual scouting report of Anthony Richardson that Dave's going to yell. All right, with all the draft talk. I don't think Dave yelled at any point. <laughs> no, he doesn't yell. Um, all right, Bill wants us to. No, I can't do this. This is, a, this is too long. Just read it already. 
It would be cool to just go through and do a brief bio for the positions. Maybe you should point out more particularly specific traits that typically bode well for each position. He wants to know like what makes a, someone a good left tackle? What makes someone a good cornerback? Why That's would you fun. even put this email in the notes for the show? I because mean, we're talking I, about prospects. This would be fun to do, but right, this but is this not going to be a fantasy this is, this show. Is like, I don't, this is going to take really way too long. want to get that too deep into the weeds? I would love to get this deep into the weeds. And I, if people are interested, Adam, I, I, I knew Dan would. That's why, because Dan was on the show. I knew Dan We're not doing do this, this, though, Adam. This, I can't do every position right now. This will take 20 minutes. Yeah. What you got to do Can we go over the specific traits for kicker? See how their hips sink when they get in and out of their breaks. That's what you got to look at. All right. Okay. Anti-fragility, Adam. Anti-fragility, wiggling in a phone booth, and we are out of here. Uh, I am a very good dancer, by the way. A, de- a good dancer. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, and you're not. No I one believes this. crush you. You know what my favorite you- song to dance to is, Dan? What's that? Oh, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salad and scrambled eggs. That's the Frasier theme song. All right, we're out of here, everybody. Why, why was Martin such a grouch on that show most of the time anyway? Huh?